We want to welcome everyone that's watching by live stream today. Thank you for tuning in. I got a lot of texts this week, people around the world saying, we wish we could be in the service since you're talking about the prophetic word for 2019. But since we can't, we'll be watching on live stream. So welcome. And I believe, praise God, the word is going to inspire and bless you today. Thank you for being here this morning. Amen. Rick had a good service this morning. Preaching on choices, choices, the choices you make have everything to do with the way your life turns out. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Anybody visiting for the very first time? All right. Welcome. Hold your hand up real high. Let me give you a, a visitor's card. Uh, or what, how, how do we do that around here? I'm new. They have some in the back. Okay. <laughs> I'm the founding pastor, but like I said, last time I was here, I'm the worst attending member of the church because <laughs> I'm gone all the time. You do understand I'm not staying home. I'm gone all the time, uh, but it's always good to be back home from time to time. Amen. That's the reason I let Carolyn drive most of the time because I don't even know how to get around Fort Worth. <laughs> I've been here since 1970, but she knows all the shortcuts and all the best routes and just by the time I learn them, she goes a different way. <laughs> but at least we get there. Hallelujah. Amen. Open your Bibles, if you will, to Exodus chapter 34. I began the last time I was here talking about the prophetic word for 2019. Have we got it up? Going to put it up? All right. Say it with me. 2019, Marvels. Wonders and extraordinary manifestations of the greatness of our God. Let's say it one more time. 2019, marvels, wonders, and extraordinary manifestations of the greatness of our God. Let's thank God in advance for it. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. The Bible says in Hebrews that those who did not mix faith with the word preached it did not profit them. So I want to encourage you to mix your faith with the word preached this morning. Mix your faith. How do you do that? You simply do it by saying, I receive. I receive that, praise God. Every time a prophetic word has been spoken over me, uh, immediately after they were finished, they would hear these words come out of my mouth. I receive that. I receive that. And I began receiving it before I ever saw it come to pass. Amen. Because the Bible says in Mark the 11th chapter, 24th verse, therefore, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. And when do we believe we receive? When you pray. Amen. So when that prophetic word is spoken, then I just simply say, I receive in Jesus name. And I have carried it around with me over the years. I've carried those prophetic words around with me. In fact, I've got that prophetic word for 2019 in my Bible. The Ken, where's Ken? Anyway, Ken usually has them all printed up and I put them in my, my notebook and put them in my uh, day timer and I put them in my airplane. I put them in my car. I put them in my shop. I put them in the bathroom on the mirror when I'm shaving. I'm looking at it because the Bible says, write the vision, make it plain. So he that reads it will run with it. Praise God. I'm running with a vision. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm running with a vision. vision. And say, my vision is is marvels, marvels, 
wonders, extraordinary manifestations of the greatness of my God. And I receive that in Jesus' name. Amen. Exodus chapter 34, verse 10. And he said, Behold, I make a covenant before all the people. I will do marvels such as have not been done in all the earth, not in any nation. And all the people among which thou art shall see the work of the Lord. For it is a terrible or tremendous thing that I will do with thee. And notice once again, it is a covenant with God. A solemn pledge, a solemn oath. Now don't confuse this that he's saying with the term that we use, old covenant. The old covenant had to do with covering the sins of the people. And the sins of the people were covered under the old covenant through the blood of bulls, heifers, goats, and so forth. But it could not do away with them. It only covered them. And they had to come back and repeatedly do the same thing over and over and over. This is not to be confused with that covenant. That was a covenant that covered the sins of the people until Jesus came and he introduced a new covenant. Amen. And that new covenant did away with the old covenant. Amen. The old covenant was just a, a, a way that God could at least cover their sins. But under the new covenant, praise God, they are remitted. They are done away with. In fact, God doesn't even remember you being a sinner. Isn't that good? You remember it, but God doesn't remember it. I'm glad he forgot. And I don't like to remind myself of when I was a sinner. And don't you remind me either. Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) So notice here, he says, I make a covenant that I will do marvels. Now, if that covenant has ended, if it's been done away with, then we'd never see any more marvels after that. But there were marvels even in the New Testament. In fact, many times when Jesus would minister to people, bringing deliverance to them, uh, healing them, uh, the people would marvel at what he had done. So this covenant is not to be confused with the covenant that covered sins. God says, I will do marvels. I will do marvels that have never been done in the earth before. The Amplified Bible says, marvels, wonders, and miracles. And the message translation says, I will work wonders that have never been created in the earth. The Amplified Bible also implies that those who observe these wonders and marvels will be full of awe. And awe means an overwhelming sense of admiration and reverence. Amen. How many of you have ever seen God do something that caused you to have a sense of admiration and reverence? I remember back uh, when I first came to the Lord in 69, there was a gentleman um, that went to the church that Carolyn grew up in that I started going to. And they were having, him and his wife were having Bible studies in their home. And we would go over there from time to time. And uh, uh, it was back in the days, and some of you may remember if you've been in this as long as I have, people would have home Bible studies and they'd move out all the furniture and they'd put chairs in the living room in a circle. 
And uh, we'd all sit in the circle and whoever was teaching would stand in the middle and, and teach and then pray for people. A lot of people got filled with the Holy Ghost that way. A lot of people uh, that, that came out of Baptist, Methodist, and other denomination churches would come to those home Bible studies and they'd get filled with the Holy Spirit. And a lot of them would then come, start coming to Life Tabernacle where it was a place that welcomed the Holy Spirit, where Carolyn grew up. And so we were over there one night, and uh, the, the minister said, or he actually was a lay minister. He was a military man, an officer in the military. And uh, he, he said, let's all pray in the Spirit for a while. So we all started praying in the Spirit. And uh, in a little while, he said, uh, <clears throat> uh, is there anybody in here that is visiting for the first time? Turned out there was somebody there from another country, a foreign country. And he introduced them, and uh, he, he talked a little bit from the Word. And then he said, let's all pray in the Spirit again. And so we all started praying in the Spirit. And suddenly this guy that was from another country, his eyes got wide open. He was looking at the man who was leading the Bible study, and the man who was leading the Bible study was just praying in the Spirit. But this man's eyes got wide open looking at him, and he said, I understand what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. That's my native tongue. He was, this man was praying in the spirit, but it turned out to be the language of this visitor from another country. And what he said was, he said, well, if you understand what I'm saying, what did I just say? He said, I came to this meeting tonight to ask you to pray for my wife. She's back home in the nation they lived in. And she is not doing well at all. And they say that she may not pull through and she may not live. But I heard you just say in my native tongue, don't worry about your wife. I'm healing her right now. Amen. And he, he didn't know that language. He didn't know that that man had come and, and wanted prayer for his wife who was dying. But that was a wonder. In fact, we all stood and wondered about the graciousness of God. The, the amazing ability of God to get through to that man who had come for healing, for a prayer for healing for his wife. Amen. I stood in awe. Amen. Now, I was very young, and I'd never seen anything like that happen. You know, as we were praising this morning, and I was watching Cassie on the keyboard there, it brought back a story. And I believe Carolyn has shared this uh, maybe the last time she spoke. But uh, the the pianist pianist in their church, Life Tabernacle, was one of the greatest pianists in the country. Her name was Anna Jean Price. She studied with Van Clyburn. And uh, uh, she was just amazing with what she could do with a piano. And uh, one night, there was just a Holy Ghost meeting taking place there. And it was so powerful. I mean, the glory of the Lord was in the place and everybody was, was experiencing the presence of God. And Anna Jean, she was playing that piano and they were singing a, a, a fast, upbeat song and she's playing along there. All of a sudden, the, the, the presence of the Lord hit her and she stood up and danced her hair down and the piano kept playing. <laughs> Is that right, Carolyn? The piano kept playing and she had her hands raised and dancing and, and she had kind of a bun, you know, and it come down and she was praising God. And we all looked and the piano still playing. Somebody said, I don't believe it. I don't care if you do. I saw it. 
Amen. It was a wonder. I wonder how God did that. I don't know. You ask him when you get to heaven, praise God. But it made you wonder. It made me wonder. Amen. God is into doing things that will cause people to have a sense of admiration and reverence. And he's about to turn the volume up. Because that's what it's going to take for the world we live in today. It's not just the preaching of good sermons alone. That's a part of it. But it's going to take signs and wonders and miracles and marvels. People seeing things that they begin to sense and realize this could not have happened if there was not a God. This could not happen if it wasn't for our God. Can you say amen? Now, the book of Joel in Joel chapter 2, verse 21, he says, uh, For the Lord will do great things. And Peter picks up on this on the day of Pentecost and says, This is that which the prophet Joel spoke. So notice God was still doing great things, signs and wonders in Joel's day. And Joel prophesied that the Lord will continue to do great things. And on the day of Pentecost, Peter says, this is that which the prophet Joel spoke. So he is saying what Joel said is happening right now. Amen. And remember, this is covenant with God. This is covenant with God. He's made a solemn pledge that what signs and wonders and miracles and marvels will continue to take place in the earth. In uh, uh, the commentary that I was reading about this, it said the Lord will do great things implies beyond the usual. Beyond the usual. Have anybody ever seen God do something beyond the usual? Amen. Beyond the usual. Hallelujah. I remember a number of times back in the early days of my beginning my walk with the Lord. And uh, Brother Copeland had come to Life Tabernacle to preach. And uh, our daughter Terry had had her fingers cut off in the nursery. And we've told the story here many times. I'm not going to go into all of it, but she had her fingers cut off, these two fingers right behind this first joint in the nursery. And she was just less than uh, 13 months old. And uh, in the natural, the doctors told us that they would never be normal. They'd never grow back. They'd just be two little nubs. He took some skin off of her hip and did a skin graft and said, that's all we can do. That's all medical science could do. But um, Carolyn and I wouldn't accept that. We said, no, our God's going to restore our our baby's fingers. He kept saying impossible. I said, no, not impossible with our God. Now, he had Buddha statues in his office. And I said, it is impossible with your God. Buddha can't do this. But El Shaddai can. Amen. And so he kept saying, that's impossible. And he kept saying, we don't want you to get your hopes up. I said, sir, you're too late. My hope is higher than a Georgia pine tree. Because I know in whom I have believed. And he's not going to disappoint us. Well, he did the skin graft, told us to take her back, bring her back to the hospital in six months. And six months later, when we took her back, when he cut the bandages off her finger, he said, my God, just shouted, my God. I said, what is it? He said, the fingers are back. The nails are back. This is a miracle. I said, no, sir, not your God, my God. Hallelujah. Amen. My God. God was doing the unusual. Hallelujah. In fact, He went home and told his wife about it. And it turns out 
his wife was one of the clients of a hairdresser who came to our home for Bible study. And when he told his wife about it, she said, I've just got to tell you something while she's getting her hair done. She said, you may not believe this, but I've just got to tell you what my husband told me about uh, this little girl and, and God restoring her fingers. And the, the lady that was doing her hair said, oh, I know. Uh, we go to his Bible study. We know that little girl. We saw that miracle, praise God. And it led her to get born again, the doctor's wife. And then years later, I didn't know this, but years later, when I went back to Shreveport, somebody said, uh, you remember that you giving that testimony about Dr. Wall? I said, yes. And he said, well, I know Dr. Wall and you just, you probably didn't know this, but later on he got born again as a result of that miracle. Praise God. Amen. So God is still into doing great things. Everybody say great things. Amen. Now notice he says, Great things beyond the usual. And then verse 30 of Joel chapter 2 says, And I will do wonders. There God's repeating it. I will do wonders. And wonders here implies something unfamiliar, inexplicable, that is unable to be explained other than it had to be something that only God could do. Amen. Only God could do. Exodus chapter 15 and verse 11 says, Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? The message translation says it this way. Who compares with you, O God? Who compares with you in power, holy majesty, in awesome praises, wonder-working God? The message refers to him as the wonder-working God. Look at somebody say, my God is the wonder-working God. Tell somebody else, my God is the wonder-working God. Now in the book of Job, go there with me. And this has become one of my favorite scriptures. The book of Job in verse nine, it says, referring to God, which doeth great things and unsearchable, marvelous things without number. He does great things, unsearchable, marvelous things without number. The message translation says it this way, and I love it. After all, he is famous for great and unexpected acts. There's no end to his surprises. Oh, I love that. Say there's no end to his surprises. I don't know about you, but I love surprises. Anybody like surprises? And God is always surprising me, constantly surprising me. Amen. It's not that I I, I don't expect it. It's, I don't know how he's going to do it. Now, ever since, you know, from way back, I learned to expect surprises from God. But I don't know. I don't, I, I usually, most of the time, very seldom know how he's going to do it. Amen. And I very seldom know, and most of the time don't know who he's going to use to do it. Amen. I've been surprised in so many ways over the years. And the Bible says he is famous for surprises. If he's famous for surprises, then that'd have to be a whole lot of surprises. Amen. A lot of surprises that he has done with his people over the years. Not only in the Bible, but people just like you and me. How many of you can say you've ever been surprised by God? 
Amen. God ever done something and you heard him say, surprise? <laughs> oh, I hear that a lot. Praise God. Surprise. I may get into some of those examples in just a moment. But listen to this. After all, he's famous. Uh, he's great. I'm sorry. After all, he's famous for great and unexpected acts. There's no end to his surprises. And Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 2 says, And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee. And one of the meanings of the word overtake in the literal Hebrew means to take by surprise. To take by surprise. These blessings will come on you and overtake you. I've had to ask the Lord sometimes, uh, why would you do that? I didn't even ask you for it. He said, I knew it would bless you. I knew it would bring joy to you. Surprise. Amen. I love it. And I have testimony after testimony of you doing that for me. Now, let's go to Matthew chapter 17 for a moment. Matthew chapter 17. Since the Bible says he's famous for surprises, then surely there'd be some in the Bible. Amen. Let's begin in verse 24. And they, when they were come to Capernaum, <clears throat> they that received tribute came to Peter and said, Doth not your master pay tribute? He saith, Yes. And when he was coming to the house, Jesus prevented him, saying, What thinkest thou, Simon? Of whom do the kings of the earth take custom or tribute? Of their own children or of strangers? Peter saith unto him, Of strangers. Jesus saith unto him, Then are the children free. Notwithstanding, lest we should offend them, go thou to the sea and cast an hook and take up the fish that first cometh up. And when thou hast opened his mouth, Thou shalt find a piece of money, take it and give unto them for me and thee. Now let's remember, Peter, as you know, had been a fisherman by trade. That's what he did before he became a disciple of Jesus. James, John, and Mr. Zebedee and Peter were all in the fishing business. I dare say that not one time in all the years that Peter was in the fishing business did he ever catch a fish with money in his mouth. Because if he had, then he would have said, Oh, Jesus, thank you for reminding me. That's the way I pay my taxes every year. I go fishing. And the first fish I catch, there's always money in its mouth. No, it was a surprise to him. It was a surprise. He had no idea that that was going to happen. Not only that, but just think about this. Which fish knew he'd be the first fish? <laughs> See, fish are different than people. They obey God. <laughs> Amen. You know, you may, not, you may not have been God's first choice when he told you to bless somebody. He may have told somebody else and they wouldn't listen. They ignored it. They disobeyed. I had that happen one time. Years ago when I first moved here, uh, I was traveling Brother Copeland and I was getting ready to go on a meeting with him. And uh, I drove his station wagon with all the equipment in it. And, and uh, uh, 
he and Gloria would fly in, in, in the plane they had at the time. And uh, I was getting ready to leave uh, the next morning. And the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to give, I want you to take some money over to Joe Nay. He was a friend of mine who was a, another minister here who lived in Arlington at the time. He said, I want you to take some money over to Joe Nay. Now, I didn't have a lot of money back then, so it was a small amount. But he said, I want you to take this money over to Joe Nay. I said, Lord, as soon as I get through packing the car and everything, I'll do that. Well, after I got through packing, get everything together, I forgot about it. And then later that night, the Lord reminded me. He said, I told you earlier today to take that money to Joe Nay. I said, Lord, I am so sorry. I forgot that. I'll do that first thing in the morning before I leave town. So I went to sleep, got up the next morning, and uh, uh, I headed out of town. I was all the way to Texarkana. And the Lord said, I thought you were going to take that money to Joe Nay before you left town. I said, Lord, I am so sorry. I forgot it again. He said, forget it. I'll find somebody else. Now, if he'd have just left it at that, that, that stung enough. But then he said, and the next time you have a need, if I have to talk to two or three people to get it done, don't complain. You set the example. It stung you too, didn't it? Huh? It stung you too. Well, Peter is totally surprised by the way the tax money came. Any of you ever needed tax money? When's the last time you went fishing? They'd take a big fish for some of our taxes, wouldn't it? I'd have to catch a whale, I think, sometimes. Amen. Notice this. That was a total surprise to Peter. He didn't know that that was going to happen. But when God spoke that, when Jesus spoke that, the fish heard it. And every fish in that lake went to hunting money because they didn't know which one would be the first fish. It wouldn't have surprised me if Peter kept fishing. He'd have caught fish with money in the mouth of every one of them because every one of them had to, didn't know which one would be the first fish. Are you still here? But notice it was a surprise. It was a surprise. And the Bible says that God is famous for surprises. Another example would have been in Luke chapter nine. You don't have to turn there, but you remember the story. Jesus has, has been ministering and so forth and teaching. And then uh, he's, they've got about 5,000 men plus women and children. And he says, send them into town so that they can, they can take a rest and eat. And uh, are they, the, the disciples, sorry, the disciples suggested that. And, Peter, and Jesus said, have them seated. And they're thinking, What's he going to do? We don't have enough food to feed all these people. He said, have them seated. Take what you've got, those five loaves and two fishes. Give them to me. He held them up before heaven and blessed them. Gave them back to the disciples. He said, now feed them. Now, don't you know they were thinking, has he lost his mind? We got five loaves and two fishes. You can't feed 5,000 men plus women and children with five loaves and two fishes. But as they began to pass them out, they kept multiplying. 
They just kept multiplying. And not only did they multiply, but everybody ate until they were full. And they had 12 baskets left over. Don't you just know God was saying, surprise. (laughs) Surprise. He's famous for surprises. Now that happened with Job over in Tanzania with the team that they took to Tanzania one time and they were feeding the poor over there and so forth and and people came from the villages and, and they had provided tons of food for everybody but there were more people that showed up than what they thought and they were down to just a little and Joe and them started praying and said, Jesus, you multiplied the food before. Do it again. And they fed everybody there and had food left over. Praise God. It was a modern day wonder. Hallelujah. And it wasn't just Joe. It was a lot of uh, uh, our associate ministers, uh, people that are, uh, that are uh, involved in this ministry that were with him and saw it. And they testified of it. Praise God. God is famous for surprises. Can you say amen? amen? Once again, Jesus surprised them with the miracle that was wrought. No wonder they said frequently, what manner of man is this? Even the, even the wind obeys him. Even the storms obey him. What kind of man is this? He constantly surprised them. No wonder when he said to them one day, It's better for you that I go away. They were shocked. How in the world could it be better for us if you go away? He said, if I do not go away, then the Holy Spirit can't come. He said, but I will go and I'll send him to you. And they're wondering, wait a minute. We've been with him almost three years now. And every need we've ever had, he has met. And he did it in ways that we couldn't have dreamed possible. And now he's telling us it'd be better for us if he goes away. How could that possibly be? That's what they're thinking. Because he was constantly surprising them in the way that he took care of them, in the way that he met their needs and the miracles that he performed. How in the world could it possibly be better if he goes away, if he leaves us? That's what they're thinking. But he said, if I don't leave, then the Holy Spirit can't come. And then he went on to say in another place, and the miracles that you've seen me do, greater miracles will you do. Hallelujah. Why? Because I go to my father and I have no limitations after I send the Holy Spirit. He'll not just be with you. He's going to be in you. Amen. Well, just look at the crowd in here this morning. He's all in us. Praise God. In, in, in the day uh, of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John days, Jesus could only be with them. But now, praise God, the Holy Spirit is in us. Amen. I am wall to wall, Holy Ghost. How about you? Amen. Praise God. So notice here, he is famous for surprises. And at the close of John's gospel, listen to these words. John 21, 25. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. That means that everything that is recorded in the Bible 
That doesn't cover everything Jesus did while he was in the earth. Excuse me. It would take volume after volume after volume to write about all the great things that he did. In fact, John said all the books in the world couldn't contain everything that he did. Wow. And we just get a taste of it. Now, one of the Bible says he's famous for doing great and unexpected acts. He's famous for surprises. Look at your neighbor and say, my God is famous for doing surprises. And I'm expecting surprises right now. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Amen. Psalm 40 verse 5, the Amplified Bible says, Many, O Lord my God, are the wonderful works which you have done. If I should declare and speak of them, they are too many to be numbered. Now, John says he couldn't list everything that Jesus did. And David says, and I can't tell everything that God did. Amen. Sounds like to me, the Bible is correct. That he is famous for unexpected acts and famous for surprises. And I just want you to know, they didn't end with David. They didn't end with John. They didn't end with Paul. The best is yet to come. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? amen? Jesus is not a retired preacher. He's not a retired miracle worker. He's still in the business, praise God. And I believe that we are headed for signs and wonders and miracles and marvels like we have never experienced in our life. Hallelujah. Don't limit God. Don't limit God by, by holding on to thoughts like, well, I've never seen him do anything like that. Well, that doesn't mean he can't, and that doesn't mean that he won't. You know, there's a lot of things you haven't seen. There's a lot of things I haven't seen. But that doesn't mean that God can't do it. Amen? Once again, in Job chapter 5, where the, amplif- I mean, the message says, after all, he's famous for great and unexpected acts. There's no end to his surprises. Verse 10 says, We'll never comprehend all the great things he does. His miracles, surprises cannot be counted. All the miracles and all the surprises that he does, there's no way that you can count them all. The complete Jewish Bible says, For God does great deeds beyond investigation, wonders beyond reckoning. And the Lampsa translation says, God does great things without limit. And the New International Version says, God does wonders that cannot be fathomed. Amen. This is talking about the greatness of our God. What did he tell us? That there are going to be manifestations, extraordinary manifestations of the greatness of our God. Somebody say, my God is a great God. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9 says from the Apostle Paul, and I believe he's picking up on all of this that we've already discussed and talked about, particularly from the Old Testament. He says, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. And Paul is actually quoting Isaiah. Isaiah said in his day that I hadn't seen. Ear hasn't heard and heart has not conceived everything that God wants to do. Paul says over in the New Testament, quoting Isaiah, and I had not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for those that love him. 
Somebody say, things that have been prepared for those that love him. Look at somebody and tell them, and I haven't seen all those things yet. And tell them also, and neither have you. So what's the purpose of God preparing all these things if he's not going to manifest them? Amen. Why, why would he prepare all these things for those that love him, but they never get to experience them? I'd just soon not even know that he prepared them. Amen. I mean, that gets my hope up. You ever had somebody tell you something, you know, uh, in the way of it built your hope up and then they never came through? That's not the way God operates. If God has prepared things for those that love him, that our eyes have not even seen, our ears have not even heard about, and our hearts have not even conceived yet, then apparently they're on their way. They're coming. Hallelujah. And I plan to be a recipient. How about you? Amen. Now, I've seen a lot of things in my almost 50 years. I've seen God do a lot of things. I've experienced a lot of miracles, a lot of uh, extraordinary manifestations of his greatness. But I haven't seen it all yet. But I believe I'm going to live to see it, praise God. Because it's just around the corner. Now, Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11 says, For I know the plans that I have for you. And it goes on to say, plans to prosper you. Amen. Plans. God has made plans. How many of you believe that God's plans will be fulfilled? I'm expecting God's plan to be fulfilled in my life and in my lifetime. Hallelujah. And it says to prosper you, to not do evil, but good unto you and to give you a future and a hope. Another translation says the future you've hoped for. Hallelujah. How many of you uh, have a a future that you're hoping for? Amen. Well, God plans to make it happen. If you stay in faith, if you won't give up, if you won't quit, God wants it to happen. That's a good plan that he has for you. The Webster's Dictionary defines prosper as to succeed, to become strong, to thrive, and to flourish. That's God's plan for mine and your life. Succeed implies for things to turn out well. How many of you like things turning out well? You know, I remember uh, Josh, I mean, uh, uh, Joseph saying in Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20, Speaking of his brothers, he said, but as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it for good. God meant it for good. In other words, God can turn, turn evil things that Satan does in your life into something good. Amen. You, you have to understand that God knows the end from the beginning. And as far as he's concerned, it's never over until he says it's over. And I like to say, and he'll never say it's over until you win. Amen. Notice here he says, I have plans for you. I have plans for good and not evil. And even if Satan plans something 
evil against you, God will turn it into something good. We can't lose. Look at your neighbor and say, God's got me covered. Amen. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them who love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. I wrote in my notes right here, divine providence always overcomes evil intentions. Divine providence always overcomes evil intentions. Amen. That's one of the reasons why James tells us in James chapter one and verse two, count it all joy, my brethren, when you fall into divers temptations, tests and trials. Why? Why would I count it all joy when I'm being tested and tried? Because providence always overcomes evil intentions. Amen. Divine providence. In other words, God is not done yet. I sensed to my spirit when I came in here this morning that some of you had some things go wrong this week. Some things happened in your life that you didn't plan on happening. And I started to say at the front, but, but I knew I was going to be reading this verse, so I just decided to save it to this point. What Satan meant for bad this week, God's going to turn it into something good. God's going to turn it into something good. If that's you, lift your hands right now and just say, God, I receive that. I receive that, praise God. Don't ever give up on God. And it may come in the way of a surprise, the way he turns it around. Don't, don't count out surprises. Don't limit God to how he's done it before. Amen. I've had God do marvelous things in the past and, uh, and the worst thing I can do is think that he's going to do it again exactly the same way. No, he's God. Let him be God. He's been doing this a whole lot longer than you have. Amen. And he has ways that you and I couldn't dream up in a thousand years. Amen. And he uses many times the least expected. Amen. I've had him, I've had him use people to meet a need in my life. And in the natural, it didn't look like they had two quarters to rub together. But you can't, you can't look at the natural. Amen. I mean, when, when uh, Samuel came down to anoint the next king of Israel at Jesse's house, he said, bring all your sons up here. And he brought all his sons up there. But David, he left him out in the field herding sheep. He didn't think David would be the one. And so all the other boys are standing there. The prophet goes down the line and uh, finally he decides that this is not, the, the next king is not in this line. Don't you have any more sons? Well, I got one more out there, but you know, he's just a youth and he's not likely to mount to anything. Well, go get him. And he brought him up there and he said, behold the king. <laughs> Amen. God looks on the heart and not the outward appearance. Amen. If I'd have been picking somebody to meet a need in my life, a lot of times I'd have missed it. I'd have missed it because God used somebody I didn't, I didn't think could have the ability to do it, but God knows. And you say, amen. Hallelujah. Remember my story about 
Andrews, Texas, and I'm believing God for my first airplane. And uh, there hadn't been one person sewed into that. And I didn't talk about it anywhere I went. There's only just a handful of people. And I mentioned this last time, but I didn't tell this part of it. But uh, while I'm believing for that airplane, we were invited to preach in Andrews, Texas. And when we got there, the pastor didn't want me because I wasn't licensed and ordained with his denomination. So he said, I can't have you in my church. Now, I didn't know religious politics, so I didn't, I didn't know things like that happened. And I said, sir, you invited me to come. I'm here. Well, I thought you were ordained with our uh, denomination. And since you're not, you can't speak in my church. Well, his deacon was standing there next to him. And so we, we walked off. I walked back to the car and Carolyn's in the car and our daughters and uh, the two people, two people that were working for me were, were waiting in another car. And I said, they're not going to let us. He's not going to let me speak here. And the deacon came out and followed us and said, Brother Jerry, if I can find a place for us to have a meeting, will you stay? I said, well, I'm here. That's what I came for. He said, well, I'll, I'll find a place and I'll, I'll come to the hotel where you're staying and let you know where it's going to be later today. All he could find was an abandoned laundromat on Main Street, Andrews, Texas. Anybody ever been to Andrews, Texas? <laughs> it's just a Main Street. <laughs> Did you get out of town as fast as you could? <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's just a Main Street. And it, it, the town seemed dead when we were there. This is way back. And, uh, and, there was a laundromat on Main Street, but it had been closed down for a while. And he found out who owned it and asked him if he could use it for the next three days. And it's got broken down washers and dryers. And so he called me and he said, I found a place. And I went up there and that laundromat, we had to push all the washers up against the wall and all the dryers up against another wall. And we left one dryer out in the middle for my pulpit. <laughs> and so I said, well, what are we going to have people sit on? He said, I'm going to see if I can borrow some, from uh, uh, chairs from somewhere. He couldn't find chairs anywhere. They got seats out of wrecked cars. And some of the seats were wrecked cars. He found just a handful of uh, folding chairs and the rest were seats out of wrecked cars. He said, Brother Jerry, you were in the paint and body business. You used to work on wreck car. You're going to love where we're going to get these seats, wrecking yard. <laughs> and, so, and so we started the meeting that night. And it was Carolyn, Jerry, Terry, Charles Neiman, and his wife, Rochelle, that worked for me then. And the, the deacon and his wife. That was our crowd. The first night. When I got ready to receive the offering, it was pitiful. <laughs> Carolyn didn't even give. <laughs> and, and the deacon had brought a Kentucky fried chicken bucket to receive the offering in. And you could hear the coins hitting the bottom of it. It took all of four seconds to count the offering. You know. And the next morning, I was doing three services a day. And the next morning at 10 o'clock, Carolyn and the girls had to come and, and Charles and Rochelle had to come and the deacon and uh, he came, but his wife had to work and somebody else showed up and I preached like the house was full preaching on faith. Hallelujah. The God kind of faith. And uh, then that afternoon we added a couple of more people 
And then that evening, there was a handful of people that joined us. And so the crowd's getting bigger. We got, oh, 12 or 14 now. And so the next day, the last day, I'm, I'm teaching on faith. And there was a, a truck pulled up in front of the laundromat. And you know, the laundromat's all glass. Now I'm looking out on Main Street. The people are looking at me like you are. They can't see what I see. And there was a truck pulled up with a man in it with a straw hat, bib overalls, large man. And he got out and he walked in the laundromat and I thought he was just going to sit down. But he didn't. He just kept walking forward. I said, sir, would you like to take a seat? No, I wouldn't. There's a country boy, country boy. And he said, uh, my name is Oop. I said, pardon me? He said, my name is Oop. I thought, Oop. I wonder what his mama's thinking when she had him, Oop. <laughs> Only other Oop I'd ever heard of was Allie Oop. You remember Allie Oop? <laughs> and there's an old song about Allie Oop. You know, I think it was Ray Stevens did it. And, uh, I said, okay, well, Mr. Hoop, would you like to take a seat? No, I wouldn't. He said, uh, I'm not educated. I quit school about the third grade. He said, I can't read nor write, but I can hear God. He said, that's how I live. I hear God. He said, and I was out riding my tractor, plowing my field. I heard God say, there's a young man up at the laundromat in Andrews, it needs an airplane. Go help him. He said, are you him? I thought, there couldn't be two of us doing this in this town. <laughs> There's only one laundromat. I guess I'm him. He said, God told me to bring you some money for that airplane. He said, so I'm going to give you some money and then I'm going to leave. And you'll never see me again unless God tells me. Because I don't do nothing except God tells me. So he just piled money at my feet and put his straw hat on, went back to the truck and drove off. We're all standing there with our mouths open. I'm thinking, did this really happen? I said, Carolyn, did this really happen? She said, look at your feet. There's money at my feet. He just pulled it out of them overalls, piled it at my feet. I'm thinking, that's the biggest angel I've ever seen in my life. It, didn't, it wasn't enough to buy the airplane but it was a start. It got me my hanger. Amen. It got me my hanger. I, I considered it to be part of the law of progression that Jesus talked about. First the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. Amen. When Oop obeyed God, that broke the barrier. Amen. Now, do you think in my wildest dreams, in trying to help God get me an airplane, I would have dreamed up oop. <laughs> On my best day of helping God, I would have never dreamed up oop. Now, God, how are we going to do this? How are we going to get this airplane? I, I, Lord, at least send somebody with some money. I mean, you know, at least somebody just say, God told me, bring you some money. Let's call him oop, God. I'd have never thought of that in a million years. And you wouldn't have either. Amen. But Oop obeyed God. Oh, hallelujah for Oop. 
And you know, he told me, he said, now you'll never see me again unless God tells me. Well, years later, I was in Hobbs, New Mexico. And I'm installing a man that we had trained in the ministry as a pastor of this church. And when I got through with the service, uh, I'm standing around talking to people. Somebody had their hand on my shoulder from the back. And he said, Brother Jerry, I recognize the voice. I thought, that's Oop. (laughs) I hadn't seen Oop since 1975. And I thought, that's Oop. And I knew Oop don't go nowhere unless God tells him. (laughs) I turned, I said, Oop, is that you? And when I turned, it was a much smaller man, but it was Oop's face and it was Oop's eyes. He had the most beautiful eyes. And I said, Oop, is that you? He said, it is, Brother Jerry. He said, I told you you'd never see me again unless God told me. He said, God told me to come over to Hobbs and see you. I said, Oop, you're much smaller than what I remember. He said, I told you I don't do nothing unless God tells me. I said, well, what did God tell you? He said, God took away my Twinkies. <laughs> he said, I ain't had no Twinkies in several, several months now. And this man weighed about 175 pounds. He had weighed nearly 300, I think, you know. And then years later, I got a call from Oop. Brother Jerry, I was praying. God told me to call you. I said, yes, Oop, and I know you don't do nothing unless God tells you. I said, what did God tell you? He said, "Uh, that work you're doing over in Africa, in Kenya. He said, uh, God woke me up last night and told me who the man is that's giving you the most problems. He said, we had a man here in, in Andrews who owned a grocery store. And he told me his last name. And he said, and the Lord told me that's the same last name of the man that, that's given you the most problems. He said, and the next time you go over there, that man's not going to be a problem to you anymore. That's what God told me to tell you. Well, I went back over there and God had taken care of that guy. <laughs> Amen. He was not a problem anymore. So when Oop calls, <laughs> Savelle listens. <laughs> Amen. Amen. He called me one day and he said, Brother Jerry, you got a partner out here in Andrews who's dying of cancer. God told me to call you. And if you come and lay your hands on her, she'll live. Are you coming? You going to obey God? (laughs) I said, whoop. I'm I'm scheduled to be in John Hagee's church in the morning. I'm flying to San Antonio. I'm speaking for John Hagee. And then after the service, I'll fly to Andrews. And you come and pick me up and take me out to her house. I said, now, Oop, don't tell anybody I'm coming. I just want to come and just pray for her. Okay, Brother Jerry, I'll be there. So Terry and Rodney were with me. And uh, uh, we went out to preach at John Hagee's. When I got out of the service, had lunch with John and his wife and family. And and then I uh, flew to Andrews. And when I landed, uh, Oop and Patsy, his wife, was there in the truck. And they got us and took us out in the boondocks where this lady lived. And when we got out there, there was cars everywhere. I said, Oop, I told you not to tell anybody I was coming. He said, I didn't, Brother Jerry. I don't know who these people are. We got there, and it was all the family and relatives and friends of that lady. And uh, they, they heard I was coming. And so they took me into her bedroom where she was, 
and I prayed for her and praise God, God touched her with his healing power and she lived. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, then we were driving back to the airport and Terry and Rodney are sitting in the back. Patsy's driving. Oop's sitting in the passenger side and I'm sitting behind Oop. And Oop turns around and looks at Terry. Now, Terry had been trying to conceive and have a baby and couldn't. And she'd done everything medical science told her to do and she couldn't get pregnant. And Oop just turned around and said, little lady, pointed at her, said, little lady, you're going to have a baby. By this time next year, you're going to have a little girl and she's going to look just like you. (laughs) And Terry began crying and praising God. And that time next year, Cassidy was born and looks just like Terry. Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen. Amen. I'm going to invite Oop to my 50th anniversary. (laughs) (laughs) One time, Brother Nichols, Brother Harold Nichols said, Brother Jerry, I've heard you talk about Oop. Could you get Oop to come to our church sometime? I said, well, Brother Nichols, I can't promise anything because he only goes where God tells him to go. (laughs) He only does what God tells him to do. I said, but I'll call him and ask him. And uh, I called Oop and he said, "Uh, Brother Jerry, uh, the Lord told me you was going to call. I said, well, you coming? He said, yes, I'll be there this Sunday. So I told Brother Nichols, he was excited about it. And Oop came in his bib overalls. (laughs) That's what he wore all the time. And he'd only put on a white shirt on Sunday under them bib overalls, you know, like the farmers did way back there. And he'd come in them bib overalls. And man, I'm telling you, he read people's mail all morning. Dear Lord, it was a fabulous service. And so Brother Nichols said, Oop, can you come back next Sunday? He said, well, I'll, I'll find out if the Lord wants me to. And he called and he said, I, I'm coming back. Well, he came back the next Sunday and he had on a suit. And, and the service was not quite as powerful as it was the last time. And Brother Nichols, at the end of the service, I'm standing there next to him. He said, Oop, I want you to come back, but leave the suit at home. You don't have any anointing in a suit. Bring them, bring them overalls. <laughs> Amen. But Oop was used by God to surprise me. I would have never dreamed up Oop in a million years. Amen. So don't limit God. Don't limit God. God is still doing unusual things. Can you say amen? James 1 once again says, Count it all joy, my brethren, when you fall into diverse temptations, tests, and trials. The message says, When tests and challenges come at you on all sides, he said in the verse three of the message translation, you know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So in other words, God is saying, don't give up just because you're under pressure. That's when I'm most likely to bring a surprise. Amen. That's when I'm most likely to turn what Satan meant for bad into something good. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 2, 14, Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph. You see, when you're going through a test and trial, that's what you see. But what God sees is you're in the process of being triumphant. Amen. Amen. Don't give up. Don't give up on God. He's the wonder worker. He's the God of surprises. Amen. Just stay in faith. 
Psalm 119 verse 68 says, Thou art good and doest good. The message translation says, You are good and you are the source of good. Can you say amen? amen. Now, last week I was in Houston preaching last Sunday morning. Joe and I were there. And uh, while I was praying that afternoon, uh, Saturday afternoon before going into Sunday morning service, the Lord had me to write a prayer of petition for the people there. And I knew I was going to be preaching along these same lines. And he said, I want you to write this prayer petition. And he was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And he said, and I want you to call them up at the end of the service and have them pray it with you out loud. So I was impressed the Lord to do the same with you this morning. So I want you to stand to your feet right now as we prepare to close. And I want you to say these, say these words with me. Now remember, 1 John chapter 5 says that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, we know we have the petitions we've desired of him. So this is a petition inspired by the Holy Spirit for you. Now, if you want to get a copy of it later, we'll, we'll give it to the office here and, and have them make copies for you. Or, or you can just download it or whatever. But it'll be available to you. And I want you to carry it around with you. Keep it with you. Amen. So I want you to say this right now. Lift your hands and, and close your eyes for a moment. And just say these words with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, you are the God of the breakthrough. You're the God of the turnaround. You take what the devil means for bad and you turn it into something good. For you are good and the source of good. Your word declares, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And triumph over opposition is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. You're the God who preserves and the God who vindicates the faithful. You're the God who leads us into victory in every transition and in every changing season in our lives. You're the God who teaches us to profit and the God who restores everything that Satan has stolen from us. We have nothing to fear because you are for us and you are by our side. And if our God be for us, then no one can successfully be our enemy. You will not abandon us in our trouble and you will not allow our adversary to prevail over us. Your goodness awaits us and we wait on you and we will not waver. We are now thanking you in advance because we know that our God reigns and our God will not allow us to fail. In Jesus' name, we expect your goodness and we rejoice in your loving kindness. Amen and amen. Now give the Lord a good shout of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Take that home with you. Amen. Praise God. God is the God of surprises. God is the God of marvels. God is the God of wonders. And they have not ceased.
Amen. Amen. Take the limits off God. Don't limit him. Don't try to get him to do it the way he's always done it in the past. Say, I'm open to surprises, Lord. I'm open to surprises. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord another good shout of praise. Hallelujah. Come on up, Rick.